everyone once again. This is Mike Cisneros and you are watching and listening to Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. I am joined tonight by the man who is synonymous with anonymous, the Gnarly Gnome, our beer blogger from the gnarlygnome.com. Gnome, welcome. What's cracking? And you finally <laughs> came up with something snappy to say. That's Angie's. And, and, and she stole it from me. And... <laughs> And the queen of Cincinnati craft beer commentary, the one, the only, from Oakley Pub and Grill, from the Midwestern Culinary Program at Cincinnati State University, and soon to be from the Overlook Lodge in Pleasant Ridge, Tina Cisneros. Ahoy, ahoy. I wear many hats. Ahoy, ahoy to you. Uh, and also uh, sitting in for Angie, the aforementioned Andy Cis- Angie Cisneros tonight, uh, our social media director, uh, had to take a shift tonight. So in her stead is Mrs. Nancy Cisneros, the wonderful wife. How are you doing tonight? Hi. She's going to be tingling, twinkling her fingers on the uh, interwebs and the Twitters. And don't forget to contact us tonight uh, by that. If you have questions on Periscope, please don't, for, don't forget to chime in. And tonight is going to be a very interesting night. Uh, you know him and you love him from Braxton Brewing Company as the what the chief brewer or the head brewer or head the, brewer. The, the the man <laughs> who takes his orders <laughs> from the Chardonnay Bay. I don't know. <laughs> But before that, as many of you know out there, Evan Rouse was an accomplished home brewer, uh, an award-winning home brewer uh, in his own right, and also a uh, BJCP uh, certified beer judge. And that's going to be kind of the focus tonight, along with a lot of other stuff here on Cincy Brewcast. Mm -hmm. But uh, Evan, uh, good evening and welcome to Cincy Brewcast. And actually, I wanted to say that last week, Brett Coleman, Baker, and Josh Elliott from Urban Artifact were on. It was their second time on the show, which would have, which tied you and then you come right back in this week and you take you take the crown back so you're the you're our first three-time visitor to cincy brewcast and uh in the lead as far as the uh the most appearances on cincy brewcast so we welcome you and thanks for being here thanks for having me glad to be here uh we're expecting also a phone call from a friend of ours. Uh, you may have heard him. It'll also be his second appearance on the show. Uh, his name is Jody Grenert. He's uh, from Athens. He's also a BJCP judge. He's supposed to be calling us on the hop line here any minute. Uh, he's supposed to be calling us from, uh, from, from Orlando, Florida, where he's doing something. He's got something going on down there. And, uh, and so he's going to be calling us and joining us. He's also a BJCP judge. He also runs the uh, home brewing competition at Ohio Beer Week in Athens that takes place every year. Uh, so we'll talk to him about that uh, as soon as he drops, uh, drops on uh, via the hotline. But um, first, first of all, we've got Evan here in real quick. Um, the, the the BJCP judging what does it take to get involved what you know do you need to have any special skills is there is there anything how about that... I have a better question how about <laughs> but of course what does what what does BJCP stand for what is sort of the what's the organization what is it tell people first who might not know that is a very good question. absolutely thank you very much uh, BJCP is the beer judge certification program uh, and it is a program yes. for beer lovers tasters um, you'll find many home brewers that have BJCP certifications because it's one of those things that you can add on to your hobby. Um, so to get involved, it doesn't really take much outside of you have to do, well, you have to undergo uh, an entrance exam. 
which is a hundred questions, and I believe you get a half hour or twenty minutes. It's pretty pretty brutal. Uh, from there, you have to do a tasting exam, which is on site. Uh, I believe, if I remember correctly, I did it so long ago. It was six beers. Uh, so six beers you're tasting in a very limited time frame. And the idea is not to necessarily kill the beers. You might be given a flawed beer on purpose uh, to go in and really analyze the overall profile of the beer from the aroma, the flavor, um, mouthfeel, overall impression. Uh, and what you're doing is you're comparing it to a style. So the BJCP every, well, they just released a new guideline, the 2015 guidelines. Um, you're comparing that beer that they give you to a category, right? So they'll give you an IPA and you've got to judge it to an IPA and what those categories look like. Those um, BJCP guidelines are actually online for free. Um, so it's a kind of a baseline for what styles of beer there are. We, we did have a Periscope question too. They wanted to know what level of judge you were. And we also have our caller. Uh, Jody, can you hear us? Are you there? Yeah, can you hear me, Mike? Yeah, we hear you great. You sound terrific. All the way from Orlando, Jody Grenert, thanks for joining us here on Cincy Brewcast. We were talking about appearances. This is your second appearance, so you're in second place behind uh, behind Evan Rouse, who's joining us here at the table uh, in Cincinnati. Uh, but thank you for joining Excellent. us. And he was just talking about um, uh, you know what it, how, how to get involved with BJCP and all the, what it was and all that kind of stuff. But we did have a question from one of our Periscope listeners. Jody, we can join in the conversation, jump in whenever you want to or where you know wherever you can find a place but uh, go ahead uh, no um periscope wanted to know what level of judge um you were evan and i guess the question still goes for you jody too okay yeah so i uh, i took the exam and i got a national level score um from that so technically right wow. now I'm a, I'm a certified level judge um i have to have i need to judge like three or four more competitions to get the points i need to be able to sit for the national level written exam and once I do that, if I pass, I'll be a national level judge. Is that like as, as, as good as you can get? Uh, no. From national, you go up to master, which is based on experience, which is judging more competitions. And I believe to be a master judge, you have to have gotten a 95 or 90 or 95 or above on the tasting exam. Um, so tasting exam. That I, sounds like fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when they throw three different flaws in your face, like diastole, acetaldehyde, and... I don't know, butyric. It's not <laughs> right, right, Jody. Uh, Jody, can can you answer this? Is that uh, is, what what level are you sure. at? Sure. Uh, well, congratulations to Evan uh, coming in at, in at that national score. I uh, I came in as a certified. Um, you you need to have a certain number of experience points, judging experience points, to uh, I believe come in at anything higher than. Um, recognized so it's a you know not only it's sort of a combination of uh score how you do on the test and uh the experience points you've already accumulated so you could even uh if you're a home brewer out there who you know just wants to get some experience judging beers and evaluating beers with an eye towards maybe one day taking the bjcp uh test this is kind of the route that i took i just uh sat you know, volunteered to judge a few at a, at a few uh, homebrew con competitions, accumulated a number of points that way before I actually felt comfortable taking the test and all that. Uh, so the combination of of judging experience points and your score 
you know, could bring you in at a, you know, slightly higher level. I came in at certified, which is, you know, the, the step up from, you know, what a person would come in without experience points. There have been a lot of, and we'll just jump kind of right into a, kind of a, a craft beer issue, and that is there's 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 so much out there today that doesn't fit into any kind of a style. And so I'm wondering what the competition world is doing to fit those beers in and, and what s- some of the judging criteria. And also, later, before I forget, I want to ask two you know, certified judges what the drinker in general should be looking for in certain beers and, and what types of, you know, and I know it's hard to describe the off flavors and stuff like that, but go ahead first with kind of the styles thing. And then we'll work into kind of how you at home can become kind of a, your own certified taster right. so that you know what you're drinking. So, Oh, absolutely. I, as far as the styles go, it's really kind of interesting because I took the, uh, the exams based off of the 2008 guidelines. So they just released um, an entire new set of guidelines, which is kind of interesting because I think they were addressing that issue. Uh, because, for example, a perfect example of this is session IPAs. Uh, in the 2008 BJCP guidelines, the session IPA was not recognized as a style. Um, so with the new 2015 guidelines, they actually have a subcategory of IPA, and that would be session IPA. And they break it down to a lot of different things as well. So, you know, you can enter a fruit beer um, into the fruit beer category. And the, the, the characteristics and the definitions of what that style can be are so broad. Um, so it's really up to the person that's entering that beer uh, to kind of dictate and say what it is that's in it or how it was used. More of what the brewer intended versus what this is the actual baseline style. I I think it was interesting when we were talking to um to Kenny from Mad Tree, where he kind of talked about how when they enter, you know, Great American Beer Festival is a little bit different than BJCP if I'm right, but oh, yeah. how certain beers they'll enter it in as one style one year and then things tweak a little bit and then the next year it's a whole different style even though it's still the same beer for for all intents and purposes. But oh yeah, I mean it's when it comes. I won't say it's necessarily a game, but when you're entering competitions and even on the homebrew scale. Um, it's it. You may have brewed the beer and intended that beer to be a robust porter, but it might be a brown porter, right? So if you enter that porter that you brewed as a robust, but it actually turned out to be a brown, you're not going to do as well as if you actually just said, right. you know what, this is a brown porter. I'm going to enter it in the brown porter category. It's to but me, it's it's less about it's less about categorizing a beer as it is just narrowing down groups of beers that might fit together a little better for, well, for it's judging. amazing to me that that there that there's even something there's even they even divide the porter category into those sort of brown baltic and robust wow into three categories huh and everybody just thinks it's a porter is a porter yep. so so now jody maybe you can talk about what maybe some of the differences might be in those different styles like like that like like that one small cat, you know, th- with three different beers and what each one maybe is com- com- comprised of or which one, what they taste like. And it's awful hard to describe taste, I know. So that's a really tough question on you, but maybe you can throw that in there real quick. Well, it, you know, the the porters you're talking about, those are, to my taste buds, those are three very different beers. You know, a brown porter is, is, is uh, kind of sweet and chocolatey. Uh, like a Fuller's London Porter would be a good example. 
robust porter, I think, is probably the predominant style in that category. That's Anytime somebody just throws out, well, this is a porter, it's probably a robust porter. And a Baltic porter is a different animal altogether, higher alcohol, uh, very complex, sort of almost uh, people describe it as fruity, vinous characters coming through it and it, it it's uh, better aged for a while is that where, where you would get like you said where you said it, what you said is that where you would get like a lot of the plum and prune flavors plum and, prune that kind of thing? Uh, you know like grapey you know old old like a almost like a sherry type thing um so you know it's all porter but it's sort of different branches of the family tree I, i've considered Almost for the show, uh, I've, I've been to the Siebel Institute uh, page a couple of times and seen their tasting, I guess their tasting or their aroma kits, and and I, I've wondered if that would be a good purchase for the show for us to get an idea of what we're doing as far as what we're looking for, especially, I guess, in a lot of the off flavors of beers and things like that. But what's something people can do to train their own without going to the 130 or $150 expense of a, of a specialized yeah. kit. What's something that people can do at home to get their taste buds attuned for tasting certain types of beer or finding certain flavors in beer? And that's a, that's a really good question. It's, it's kind of interesting. Uh, I've, I've gone through one of those taste panels before and it will blow your mind. Uh, so if you ever have the opportunity, I highly recommend it. Um, that's actually how I got involved into the BJCP is, uh, the Cincinnati malt infusers homebrewing club once a year, one of their members puts on a tasting, uh, tasting class or a BJCP prep class. It's 13 weeks. He got the 25 off flavor kit. Uh, he bought a crap load of Budweiser and he would spike the Budweiser with these off flavors. Uh-huh. Um, so really, really to kind of prep and to, to be aware of what the flavors you are looking for. Uh, the easiest thing to do, I would say, is download the guidelines online and read through them. Uh, so if you're going to drink a beer and you really kind of want to analyze that beer for that style, um, read the descriptors because they're, they're actually really, really impressive. Uh, outside of that, I mean, unless you have somebody kind of walking you through like what you're experiencing or what you're tasting and that's not right, uh, it could be kind of difficult, uh, especially if you don't know common off flavors. There's some things that I think everybody's a little familiar with too, and we've all had a beer that's that's skunked before, that's light struck. Right. We've you know, some things like that I think are are a little easier to pick up, you know. The, then, and then I've heard as far as tasting wine, for instance, that you can get, I don't know, like Fruit Loops and put them in a glass, and and actual real strawberries and different other you know fruits and different things like that that you can put in the glass and that will help you if you smell those types of things and that that can help you too does that work for beer as well i i guess or i'm sure you could do that with the raw materials like you if you took certain groups of different malts you know roasted versus kiln base malts that kind of stuff and different hops it would definitely work as well um you know as for off flavors though it could be a little more difficult because like one of the very common ones in a a defect a, a diacetyl uh, it's butter, butterscotch. It's um, really, 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 to me, I, I'm very sensitive to it. Um, but it, it, you can't really reproduce that by itself. Right, right, right. Now, what about the competitions? Uh, Jody, you, I know you. we've talked to you in connection with Ohio Brew Week, and you are in charge of, uh, of the Ohio Brew Week homebrew competition. What, what, how, how are those set up, and what, does, what, do, you know, what do the judges do, and what, you know, just sort of run us through maybe a, a basic competition uh, setup 
that might take place? <laughs> well, it's anything but basic. Um, logistically, there's a lot going on. Uh, we're gonna, I've done the Ohio Brewery competition uh, about four years now, and there's just uh, basically it's uh, kind of keeping a bunch of plates spinning at once until everything kind of comes together. You're, you're trying to recruit. The number one thing you're trying to do is recruit judges, uh, especially certified judges uh, like Evan. Um, you know, you for a BJCP certified competition, you're, you really have to have a, a certified judge at every judging table to sort of lead the discussion. Uh, you can have, you know, literally as many as you want of, um, uncertified judges, and I try to recruit as many as I can around the Athens area. Uh, we've got Jackie O's and a lot of, you know, beer geeks in the area, but they're not certified. So the hardest thing is just, you know, coming up with that critical mass of certified judges. You usually need, uh, for a competition, anywhere from 15 to 20 to really uh, make things go. Um, but then as far as, you know, uh, the... You know, as, as an organizer, you sort of get the judges a, a comfortable place and make sure that it's, you know, there's there's um, some water and crackers to cleanse your palates, and you just let them go. I mean, they, they sort of lead the discussions. They um, kind of make judgments amongst their their cues and their tables about you know, beers that aren't going to make it, beers that are going to make it. Um, you know, it's kind of the judges' show. Is that uh, is that a, is, is that a by is that a, is that a by committee thing, or is is in other words this, the ta- the table all like puts in there, uh, yeah I mean tell us how the judging itself actually works. It's uh, yeah it's very I would I would call it uh, very much a by by committee thing. Um, uh, I try to uh, provide a copy of the BJCP style guidelines for each category to, to all the tables in case people want to refresh their memory. You know, even the certified judges sometimes like to read the style characteristics of a, a beer in a category they're judging. But the way it generally works, uh, and Evan, you know, jump in here if, if you know, your experience is different, but the, the con- competitions I've been in, and I've, I've watched the judges in our competition, everybody will, uh, uh, sample the aroma and taste of a sample of beer, and you'll you'll have two to three, two, three, sometimes even four judges sampling the same beer. Everybody sort of goes through the judging sheet. There's a BJCP, you know, official judging sheet that uh, accounts for aromas, color, um, and then uh, flavor, and then sort of an overall impression of the beer. Generally, you you know, kind of go through that sheet, uh, take a, a decent amount of time. I'd say five minutes is, is or 10 minutes even for, uh, depending on how methodical a judge you've got. Everybody sort of goes through that sheet on their own, kind of chalks in, a, a pencils in a, a, an idea of, you know, their numbers for the different categories and maybe a total. Then you start talking about it. Uh, as a group, and everybody, you know, even even you know, the folks who aren't certified, they will notice something in that beer that will perhaps raise an eyebrow on the certified judge. Oh, yeah, you know, you're right. I, you, now that you mention it, I did taste some chocolate in there. Should that be in there? And what, you know, 
I tasted something, but I right, didn't know right. what it was until you identified it for me. Sure. So it's kind of an organic thing. There's a lot of discussion that goes on. And then you'll have, you know, the group, uh, you might have a couple of judges kind of come down a little bit on their score and a couple might come up, you know, usually you try to get within, I think it's six or seven points on a 50 point scale in a beer. And, uh, and you know, it, ironically, you, you usually end up pretty close to that. You know, a good beer is a good beer and an off beer is something that everybody tastes whether you're trained or not. Right, right. Yeah, there and at the bottom of the score sheet, that's kind of an interesting thing to kind of touch on too. Is the way that they divide the scores? It's out of fifty points, um, and there's point ranges to divide to define what that beer is. Uh, so if you're near the fifties, it's considered like a world class example of the style. Uh, Zero to fourteen or whatever it might be is like a poor or clear defect in this beer, and then in between there. So uh, in a competition, you if you're you're lucky if you see a lot of beers in the upper fifties or I'm sorry, upper forties. Um, but the ones you, you do have, they're, they're good. I've tasted beers that would be classic examples of the style, uh, at homebrew competitions. And the whole point of the competition is to supply feedback to that brewer, uh, to see if he wants to tweak or how he, how he can get better, um, and make better beer. Wonderful. Excellent. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, do we want to take a break real quick? Or... Uh, Jody, can you stay with us for a little bit longer if we if we take take a break? No, I'm fine. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Uh, yeah, we'll I'll take a here. break real I'll quick. I'll be here for the duration. All right, we'll be we'll, we'll take a break real quick, and we'll be right back on Cincy Brewcast. Uh, you're listening to Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. Hi everybody, Mike Cisneros here, and as a craft beer lover, you want the same thing I do. The finest in handmade lagers, ales, and stouts. But do you take the time to think about whether the same care and attention has been given to the treats you feed your dog? Well, I'm here to tell you about Brewhouse Dog Bones, made from the same wholesome malted barley that you'll find in the delicious beers from many of Cincy's finest craft breweries. Brewhouse Dog Bones are handmade in small batches, using just three additional natural ingredients, peanut butter, organic eggs, and brown rice flour. So you know your best friend is enjoying almost the same great craft experience that you do. And Brewhouse Dog Bones are not only good for your dog, they're good for our community because they offer real-world training and a work co-op experience for developmentally disabled young adults ages 18 to 22 through the New Richmond, Sycamore, Marymount, and Oak Hill school districts. Brewhouse Dog Bones are available in the distinctive brown paper sacks with the red dog bone at some of Cincy's finest craft tap rooms, including Mount Carmel Brewing Company, Listerman Triple Digit Brewing in Cincinnati, and Old Firehouse Brewing in Williamsburg, and great pet stores like Newtown Feed and Supply and Earthwise Pet Supply in Montgomery. For more information about Brewhouse Dog Bones, to carry Brewhouse in your tap room or pet store, or to find out how your school district can participate in the Brewhouse Dog Bones program, just contact Lisa Graham by visiting www.brewhousedogbones.com. Give your dog the craft experience with Brewhouse Dog Bones. And then, well, then sophomore year that came, that was the liquor year, so I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I switched to whiskey. I switched to all that stuff. That was the uh, year. And then, that honestly, yeah, that's fantastic. I think the first time I had it was like right when Alltech released Kentucky Bourbon Barrel Ale. I had that, and I'd never had any, anything like it up to that point. 
And I was like, okay, I can do it. At first, I was just like, sweet, this is a lot of alcohol. <laughs> it's cheap, and it tastes great. I'm doing it. This is a good transition from yeah, the liquor right, year. Yeah. <laughs> Back here on Cincy Brewcast, we're joined uh, by in studio by uh, Evan Rouse from Braxton Brewing Company and also a national-level uh, BJCP judge. And we're also joined on the Cincy Brewcast top line uh, by Jody Grenert, all the way from Orlando, Florida. Uh, and Jody, tell us real quick what you're doing down there. I don't know. You mentioned something at the House of Blues. Sounds really cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually on a work trip for the... Uh, 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 for a, my college at Ohio University, I'm a communication specialist. Right. But uh, there's, I'm discovering that there, uh, our, our hotel is it's in a convention center that's very close to some really great beer here down at. It's a place called Point Orlando, and it's uh, sort of right in the middle of convention center central down here. Right. And uh, the BB King's House of Blues uh, just got back from there. Some good beer there. There's a place called the Pub. There's just a whole string. There's a yard house, uh, 132 tap set up uh, down the road. Everybody loves yard house, yeah. Uh, Nancy, uh, let us know. You did something cool. I did. Um, For those of you that can get to Twitter, I put a link out under Cincy Brewcast to the different beer styles. So go ahead, click that link, see what we're talking about. Uh, The next segment's going to talk a lot about brew styles. So there you go. Check it out at Cincy Brewcast on uh, Twitter. So sort of what I want, because I haven't gotten a chance to look at the style guide yet, um, I, I know kind of generally what the various styles are. I guess sort of I'm wondering how many styles there are, sort of what they are, sort of how expansive they are, um, and then we'll kind of get into a, a question about brewing to style. That's a great question. I'm going to cheat real quick. I'm going to pull <laughs> up the Nifty app. Yeah, they've got a great app, too, for anybody that, that, that's listening. If you just go on the app store, it's just BJCP, and it has all the different styles on there, and you can search. And There's a lot more styles in the in the 2015 guidelines. Yeah. Uh, well, that's kind BJCP of what I was wondering, guidelines. I'd imagine, because, um, you know, we all know IPAs, porters, you know, brown, stuff like that, but as sort of beer gets more creative, are they having to sort of expand on what are considered styles now? Like, tell us a little yeah, bit about I, that. Absolutely. Uh, right now there are 34 styles, and each uh, each style has probably three to five sub-styles or subcategories of that style. Um, and, the, and it kind of goes down to being, so one of the styles is, uh, or one of the categories is specialty beer, right? So you can brew a crazy off-the-wall beer and submit it under specialty. Uh, I think one of the oddest beers i had at a competition it was actually delicious was this it was like ginger lemongrass uh ginger lemongrass orange peel and it was like a belgian wit um and it didn't really fit in the belgian wit characteristic or the category so they put it in specialty um so it really depends on how kind of user defined you want that beer to be um i know a lot of a lot of brewers and a lot of people that don't really consider brewing to a style guideline what they want to do um, mm-hmm. Because you can brew a beer that's not really defined by any style, and it, and if you kind of put yourself into a corner, you're limiting your creativeness on what you're going to brew. That's been, that's been a big argument on this show a lot of times. It's just you know I think I can personally consider it to be important for a brewer to be able to brew 
to style in, in a certain in, in a certain sense. Not everything, not all the time, but or not everything has to be exactly or the not style. everything has to be exactly the style. But as I always say, if you're going to brew an oatmeal stout, it better taste really close to what I think is one of the world class standards for oatmeal stout, and that's Young's. So I don't know what you know, and yep. and and. The places that really succeed, in my opinion, with oatmeal stout are the ones that come in. They don't have to come in perfect on that, but you know that. But come that, close. Yeah, to but it. come close. Yeah, and it, I, yeah, I mean, I'm the same way, but I'm also a big beer nerd too, right? So I love beers that go outside the norm. Um, but if I'm ever curious about a certain note I get in a beer, I pull out the BJCP app and I compare it to that guideline. Uh, and that's just because I'm trained, I guess, as quote unquote trained as a judge. Uh, and I'm a giant beer nerd, so I'll, I I dive straight into that app to see what what if that characteristic is supposed to be a part of that beer, um, that that those guidelines will kind of lead me to that. Right. 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 Well, that's kind of what I was wondering was if you brew something that's not you know that if that's just sort of your style how you like to brew if you brew something that's not exactly you know fits into any one area can you be a home brewer enter the homebrew competitions and do as well as anybody else who brews an IPA or a porter or whatever? Um, or is it sort of more, is it kind of a like a fringe sort of situation? Well, well and uh, I mean, I don't know. The, the question that I that I have, especially for Jody, that when, when you drop into that is, 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 I mean, it's a competition, and I guess there's winners in that, but it's, it's not, is it really competitive i mean are, are guys trying are more people that homebrew who enter competitions trying to win it quote unquote or are they just trying to get feedback and understand what they need to do to make their beer better or what they need to do to get closer to that to that 50 point uh, you know sort of world class range well i think it's i, I think it's both you know being be, i'm a homebrewer and i love to enter competitions um and, and, you know, I, I love getting feedback on my beer ultimately, but I also, you know, I'm competitive. I want that beer to be recognized as a good beer and maybe the best beer in, it, in, in its category. If it does, I'm very proud of that. Um, so I think it's both. I mean, you, you, you know, you don't, you don't brew beer just to win a medal, uh, but it's really gratifying to have a beer that's recognized by, you know, people that you whose opinions you respect, and a lot of these people are your peers, right? They're 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 mm-hmm. fe- a lot of them are fellow home brewers who are judging. You know, it's uh, it's interesting, absolutely. Too. And they're tasting. The thing is, you know, you're entering a beer, say, and there's ten other beers in in that category. You know, you're being judged against an amber or a you know a, uh, ten porters or you know what have you, and to have your beer be judged by you know a a blind panel of you know beer nerds to be (laughs) the best out of those 10 beers that's kind of a kick you know it's a wow you know i I did good (laughs) yeah no i i agree it is actually kind of interesting too uh a a lot of when i was judging was i was judging around some of my best friends uh so they've all had the beer uh, and it's it's interesting to get the feedback on the score sheet um for what they're telling you when they taste it blind versus what they're telling you to your face. Uh, mm-hmm. It could be the best beer ever, and he's not going to tell you. It's You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it, the, the whole blind uh, tasting, and it's competitive, and feedback is definitely important. Right, right. Cool, excellent. Well, listen, I think what we need to do right now, this may be the all-time record that we had <laughs> for not going... 
from the beer fridge. And what we have in the cooler down here is some, we actually have some homebrews. We had a friend of ours that's a really good homebrewer. So or we think he is, at least. We, we, we'll we, we we'll see what you is. think, Kevin. But what we'll do is we're going <clears> to <throat> get some of these beer, get some of these beers, please. Will you mind, oh, great, honorable beer tender, beer maid, barmaid, whatever you want to call it. And we're just going to get uh, some random, this is, this is the one. I don't one. know what that is. I think it's I think it's the I, I think it's the one that was the double IPA. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Cool. And then there's an espresso stout, a go, a goza, the goose sausage goza, as a matter of fact. And then what we have here is a, is Argentine blonde. Is that what it's called? Yeah, and it's uh, uh, made with uh, yerba mate. It's made with yerba mate. So uh, we've got four Which is different an Argentinian beers. tea. And then Evan. Has brought us something really special. Should we have yours first? Let's have Evans first. I'm yeah. really excited <laughs> to have yours first because we have a another preview. Sorry, you're not here, Jody, but we have another great preview tonight. We had a great preview last week of the uh, Calliope Fresh Hopped uh, with Ohio Valley Hops from uh, Urban Artifact, and tonight Evan has brought us something that's going on tap at Braxton on Friday. Please tell us about it. Oh, absolutely. It. So this is uh, my. If anybody read the Friday note last week, I had threw in a lot more details than apparently I was supposed to. So <laughs> it got, I don't. I don't blame our marketing guy for that one. He got it got trimmed back a lot, and I don't blame him for that. Uh, so this this beer and this I ended this with saying, uh, "Who says beer has to have have seasons?" Um, so this is actually it's a saison. Uh, it's a Belgian saison. Typically, you see them in the spring and summertime, but we really wanted to brew a saison. Uh, so we're really happy with how it turned out. Uh, we will be tapping this on at, on Friday uh, around 530. Uh, and and keeping in, in line with your name sort of from the garage, does it have a garage name or is it just sort of? Yeah, it's uh, the name of the beer is Level. Level, okay. Very Which good. is kind of interesting too because it's not a level beer, right? You're going to get a lot of the estery and phenolic characteristics from the yeast that are going to give you the, the citrus and the lemony and the, the peppery and the spicy characteristics of a Saison that's it's known to have. So it's brewed to style. It, it is, yes. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm going to do a classic or a traditional style, I'm going to brew it just to that style the best of my ability. Right, right. Excellent. So well, I'm coming, very excited for this. So, I'm, a, I'm a Saison person. And so coming your way, the preview, it's going on tap Friday night at Braxton in Covington, uh, is the level Belgian Saison. So here we go. As Evan pours and... Jody, I'm, we're we're I'm sorry. I'm kind of jealous, Mike. Yeah, well, we're <laughs> sorry to catch you in the hotel room with a bar <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, you could do worse than that too, I guess. You know, that's but, true. But uh, but um, so yeah, as we're uh, as we're pouring here, uh, Jody, t- tell us a little bit about what 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 happens particularly particularly in Athens there uh, in the summertime with uh, the Athens uh, the Ohio Brew Week. And and one of the things that you told me when you were when you were on in connection with that is that you really need judges. So kind of pimp yourself here a little bit, if you will. Absolutely, we uh, we have a wonderful uh, uh, week long beer festival called Ohio Brew Week that uh, next year uh, will run from July 10th to the 18th, and the homebrew competition will be on the 11th. So. I, uh, I really hope the Cincinnati homebrewers out there will uh, will send us uh, 
beers, and even more important, I hope they'll uh, I hope they'll make the trip to Athens to come and judge with us. We're always underrepresented uh, by Cincinnati judges. Uh, last year we had um, uh, Brett from Urban Artifacts who came, uh, and that was a rarity for us to get somebody from Cincinnati. So. Evan, maybe you can make the trip out this year. We we'd love to have you. I will do my best. He's a very busy man. I need he... I need judging points to be honest. I want to make sure I don't <laughs> you need judging points. I have we, we can give you judging points. Yeah, I need those points, and I need to make sure because you have to actually once you're a judge in order to keep your status, you have to judge um, at least one competition a year to make sure you maintain your status throughout the year. Uh, and I think I'm coming up close on my year end, and I don't think I've judged. So. Uh-oh. Well, if I was judging this beer, I would say it's damn good. I will say it's a little and different that, being poured from a... I filled the growler probably five or six hours ago. Um, it's a lot different when it's being poured straight off the tap because it's effervescent. It's three levels of CO2 carbonation, so it's it's nice and effervescent. That really brings out those phenols and those esters. It's uh, got that Saison like, nose that I love. It just makes my mouth water smelling. And you said peppery, and I mean, that's it's. there's a huge black pepper right Right out, right out of the gate, which I'm a great big fan of black pepper. So I, I just, I think it's terrific. And one of the most important things for this style is it making sure that it's fermented out completely dry or as dry as you can get it. So right. uh, for us, it fermented below one degree Play-Doh, um, which for specific gravity homebrewers, uh, you're probably looking at 10.04. So uh, Evan, I'm curious, uh, does it have any of that sort of Belgian funk, farmhouse funk? No, so this or is... Or is it more of a light, crisp? clean kind of Belgian. This is a more of a light, cri- or, light, crisp, clean kind of Belgian. So we, instead of going farmhouse style Saison, we want more of a traditional Belgian style. So it's no, no real notable farmhouse. Um, the, fir- the key characteristics are just super dry. And then uh, from there, it's making sure you get the phenols and the esters from the yeast. And that's really what's going to dominate this entire style, which I love. And that's a little known fact about me. I love beers. Uh, and styles of beers that are driven by yeast characteristics uh, because it's one way to show off what what the most important ingredient in beer can actually do. Uh, so for this one, we actually we monitored temperature control, which for brewers, home brewers, and professional brewers, uh, during fermentation, your temperature control is extremely crucial. Uh, for this one, we upped it every 12 to 24 hours to make sure it hit 86 degrees. Uh, that way we're getting all of those phenols, all of those esters, that spiciness, that citrus. Uh, well, you we... bring up a good point. Uh, the yeast is the most critical ingredient. And, you know, a lot of I've heard some people joke that, you know, brewers and home brewers were really just yeast ranchers. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> just just making food for the yeast. That to is do its correct. Thing. Yeah. Well, this, is, this is phenomenal. Well, I, I, I was never, um, up until probably the last year or two, a huge Saison fan. And um, there, there, this joint. There have been a lot of great examples of it come out in Cincinnati craft beer in the last just year, as you said. Um, Urban Artifact is doing a lot of that work, you know, uh, and uh, but this joins that, this joins that sort of uh, pantheon of of excellent saison styles coming out of the Cincinnati breweries. And, and I'll make one one more note on top of that. We filled uh, we filled. Uh, two two red wine barrels, two Cabernet barrels, and then two white wine barrels um, with this beer, which oh, wow. oh my will gosh. be down the road. We're not sure what we're going to do with them yet, but they're full and they're aging. 
That sounds phenomenal. Excellent. I, I can only imagine like that. The especially, white wine especially barrels. The, especially the Cabernet. I think the Cabernet would be It'll would give be it a nice exciting. kind of rose color. Yeah, yeah. It would be very exciting to uh, to try something like that. Yeah. Uh, listen, uh, we'll take another uh, quick break uh, here on Cincy Brewcast. Uh, we're joined by uh, Jody Grenert and Evan Rouse. You're listening to Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. It may be summer, but that just means it's the right time to start thinking about the uniform needs for your fall and winter sports teams. Whether it's new embroidered gear bags for your volleyball club, silk-screened warm-up hoodies for fall baseball, or a hot new look for your basketball team, Eastgate Custom Graphics can work with you to capture your team's unique style. Eastgate Custom Graphics team design experts can help you to stand out from your competitors, and with great brands like Nike, Port Authority, Hanes, and more, ECG has the names your players want to wear. It's also not too early to think about back to school, and ECG has all your spirit wear needs. We have gear from many of the East Side schools, and if you don't see it, just ask, and Eastgate Custom Graphics will design it for you. Eastgate Custom Graphics is located at 4459 Mount Carmel Tabasco Road, right next to St. Veronica. Talk to Don Hall or any of the design pros at ECG at 513-528-7944 or visit www.ecgraphicswithanx.com and customize your look today. Eastgate Custom Graphics, the official imprinting and apparel supplier to Cincy Brewcast. Hi, I'm Scott LaFollette from Blank Slate Brewing in Cincinnati, and you're listening to Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. Back here on Cincy Brewcast with um, with Evan Rouse and uh, one more segment with uh, Jody Granert. And uh, listen, um, uh, so so um, do you, what should people you know if they want to get involved? What, what what's the first thing that home brewers should do after they brewed a beer and they want to get some feedback should they join a competition right away or should they pass it around to their you know some of their friends or should they find some people find somebody maybe that is a that is a beer judge and have them taste it i, I we, we've heard kind of all of that sort of thing happen uh, i just wondered what you know should, your guys opinion was on that they should send it into Cincy I, brewcast for us to taste on the air <laughs> yeah no, actually, uh, I, I would. The, the first thing to do, uh, if, if if you're you know new to home brewing and you haven't, uh, you know, you're just looking for some some feedback and you know to sort of understand the culture, is to join a homebrew club. Um, we have one here in Athens, the Athens Homebrew Club, and I'm actually the president of it. It's a good way to you know, uh, depending on how often you meet, we we meet once a month. Uh, bring your homebrew. And, you know, folks will bring their homebrew and you can kind of evaluate each other's uh, understand, you know, what's going well and what's not going well with the beer that you started. You'll get honest opinions, uh, you know, from at least some of the folks, you know, some some people are a little reluctant to, you know, give you an honest opinion, especially if they don't like it. But it's a great way to, you know, uh, get some feedback from a like minded uh, homebrewer such as yourself. I, I second that. Um, joining the homebrewing club that I'm a part of um, is truly what actually introduced me to competitions and the idea. Frankly, I didn't even know you could compete or there was such a thing until right. I met these people. 
Um, and so just to have that, that feedback from people that your peers and people that you respect is truly helpful. Um, and once, once that started going, you start getting feedback that's really, really encouraging. And then everybody else is entering competitions. You're kind of like, okay, this is kind of cool. And you know what, if I win great, if not, um, okay, let's see what I can do. Let's get my score sheet back, read the feedback, see what I need to change and then rebrew it, make some tweaks and re-enter it. Um, and then once you get your first medal, it's both about the feedback and the competition because everybody <laughs> wants to bring home some hardware. Right, right. Uh, and that's interesting that you both mentioned that because next week we're going to have some representatives from uh, the, some of the various Cincinnati area clubs, the Blotarians, the Malt Infusers, and we're working on somebody from, it's the Northern... Northern, Northern Kentucky, Kentucky Homebrewers Guild. Yeah, yes, and, and, and we're working... We're working on somebody from the Northern Kentucky Homebrewers Guild as well. So they will be talking all about that world, uh, which I assume is a kind of a wild, kind of a different. I've been to one homebrewing club meeting in my life, and it was right And you after. never went back. Well, I, I never, <laughs> homebrewing never really caught on to that level for me. But it was really early on after we started homebrewing, me and my brother, and um, it, it blew my mind to see what some of these people were doing and to hear them talking about it. And it, it, it did open up a whole new world of, of brewing to me that I, I would have, it would have taken me years to, to even think about on my own. So, And then as we did on our, we called our, on our first show, uh, I guess, which we had just a couple of, of your everyday friendly homebrewers on, uh, Shane and, uh, and Adam, uh, we, we uh it's homebrewing is craft beers minor league i guess it's a, it's the triple a of, of 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 craft beer wouldn't you say yeah i mean it's a it's a blast i i still love homebrewing uh, i don't get to do it that often anymore but it it's a it's for me it was two things creative freedom and brewing any type of beer that you could ever imagine so for me one of the fun more fun beers i brewed was uh, my take off of McKellar's Beer Geek Breakfast. So it's it was a hoppy imperial oatmeal stout brewed with coffee. Um, so it's like a 10% oatmeal stout that's hopped like an imperial IPA, and then you add coffee to it, uh, wow. which it's just fun. Um, what style so, is that? Exactly. <laughs> See? That's See? called style. That's called uh, specialty beer, I guess. No, yeah. it's, that, it's just fun. I mean, it is a lot of fun. And, and for the second part for me was, was the tinkering. I, I'm a very hands-on guy with a background in engineering, and I like to build things. So I was building all the equipment that you can get into, and homebrewing is ridiculous. Uh, so I was building brew rigs and new gadgets and toys, and it just it kept it fun. Uh, and then there's the socializing part with the homebrewing club that really kind of took it to the entire next level for me. And then Jody, what was it for you? Uh, the, the, I guess maybe the start of homebrewing, or the you know what 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 keeps you going back? Uh, it's a good question. I, I ask myself a lot. Uh, it's, I've, I've given up a lot of hobbies over the years just because I've gotten tired of them. Uh, homebrewing, it, it's just you're always wondering if you can make that beer that's lightning in a bottle. You know, something that people rave about that you're really happy with i've had beers that i haven't really been happy with but my friends love you know um it's very very rare that there's one that i love and they love you know um i don't know you're always challenging yourself to come up with something that's different and well crafted and doesn't have any flaws that you recognize and maybe does well in a competition you know sort of a go ahead no you go ahead 
I, I was done. Okay. Uh, it's it's funny. When we had Kenny McNutt from Mad Tree on, he discussed uh, that Axis Mundi, which you I don't know if you've had Jody, but I'm sure you've had uh, Evan, and everybody in Cincinnati absolutely loves, uh, you know, probably one of the best Russian Imperial Stouts in the country uh, was a homebrew. And started as a homebrew and was the first was a, was the third all grain beer that they ever did and they he even says to this day they don't feel that they've perfected it they don't feel that they've got it exactly where they want it uh i said keep trying to get it right you know <laughs> but uh is there something either one of you guys have have brewed or that, that you've done that you've thought was really great and really fantastic and you really liked it and you tried to brew it again and it just didn't come out or that you know that that it wasn't quite right or maybe you're like like jody said maybe your friends thought it was was really good but you just thought it was yeah, i mean so, like like I mean, homebrewers like yourselves have to have some clunkers out there right oh yeah <laughs> well I'm, I'm more talking about s- stuff that you can't get back in other words stuff that you've done that you read or clunkers but stuff that you've done that you would like to, you, you want to do again and when you tried it it just didn't seem to be the same or my my first clunker story was my first ever all grain batch um that went terribly south <laughs> <laughs> really quick um but you, you live and learn I would say things things reproducing um, at home. Storm was Storm, which is our golden cream ale at Braxton, uh, was a beer that we brewed regularly. Um, and I'd say the first or second time that I finally rebrewed it, I probably didn't nail it exactly how I wanted to. Um, but by the time I was brewing it, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten times, it it came to me. It was like the back of my hand. You you learn to dial your system in. Um, from a from a large scale, I would say dead blow. Um, I love Dead Blow. It's still really good, um, and I think it hits everything that I'm looking for, but it's not the same because that beer I had brewed at home, uh, and we scaled it up into what it is now. And the gnome here actually tried one of the homebrew versions earlier on, uh, and it's not – I mean, I don't have the homebrew anymore. I wish I did to kind of compare it, but they're not they are not the same. No. That's interesting. Jody, you got for one? For me, yeah. I, I, I've – I'm, I'm an extract and grain brewer. I I, uh, I haven't gone the all grain route, and I keep thinking maybe one day I'll get inspired to do that. But I'm happy with my results the other way. But uh, I I will brew a beer uh, like a, a porter that I'm really really happy with, and use the same ingredients, the same fermentation temperatures, you know everything that I can you know faithfully reproduce, and end up with a slightly different beer for some reason or not quite as dialed in, you know, as, as Evan says, as that last one. And it's maddening. You know, it's like I did everything the same way. You know, uh-huh. the yeast was in a different mood this time, I guess, or, you know, some, something else was a little strange. It's still a great beer. And, right. you know, all my friends will tell me, yeah, this is fantastic. I don't know what you're talking about, you know, kind of thing. But you know what it's supposed to taste like, and you know what you were shooting for, and for some reason it didn't deliver, and it's frustrating, and it makes you want to brew it again and again and again <laughs> until you get that and, and same it, lightning in a bottle. And brewing is so esoteric. I mean, it can be just if it was fifty-seven degrees the day you the one you brewed the one, and it's fifty-two degrees or sixty-four degrees, you know, as far as the air temperature, maybe you do it outside or whatever. That 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 can play a big role in it, can it? 
temperature is key, <laughs> especially for, for reproducibility um, from from the mashing and the actual brood temp, but also fermentation temperature. And, it, and yeast is a variable ingredient. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's a live ingredient, you know. Um, it's a microorganism. It's not every yeast is going to be identical. They're, they're labeled as identical, but maybe the yeast is not quite as robust as the last batch you had, or maybe it's a, I don't know, a different, slightly different strain. Right, you right. Know, than, there's there's, and, a, there's and, a reason that breweries put together these big labs. And, well, that's and what I was going to say. Yeah, that's stuff, why the know, big it's... boys spend millions of dollars, I'm sure, on making sure their yeast is perfect every time, because it's got to be, because if, if not, they won't be able to brew that light, golden, you know, American lager that so many people throw down their throats on a particular summer day. You yeah. Know? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Or any, We're yeast ranchers. That's yeah. what we are. Yes. That's right. <laughs> well, listen, uh, uh, you know, Jody, we really appreciate you calling us and uh, and taking time out of your uh, business trip out there in Orlando to uh, join us. And once again, uh, if you just wouldn't mind uh, going ahead and talking a little bit more about the Ohio Brew Week and the homebrew competition and so forth and so on, just so our listeners can have a good idea of, of just exactly what they need to do, a website, a phone number, an email address, all that stuff. Absolutely. Uh, well, you can go to ohiobrewweek.com to get all the details that, uh, as far as dates and the kinds of uh, fun festivities we have. We have the homebrew competition that's part of it. We have uh, a barbecue cookout. Uh, it's literally a week long, uh, eight days long. So there are a whole slate of events and activities. Um, you can come for the weekend. You know, if you're in the Cincinnati area, you could... You know, come for a couple of days during the week. You, you can come for the whole week. week. Uh, yeah, like someone <laughs> sitting at this table has, you can come for a week or, or and stay even longer. If you have an extra, like, you know, thousand plus dollars to just throw away for a week. <laughs> well, you won't be Absolutely. throwing it away, that's for sure. And then, uh, and this year, uh, July 10th to the 18th, 2016, the homebrew competition mm-hmm. on the 11th, you're looking for judges. Uh, is there anything we can, uh, 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 they contact, would they contact you then to get a hold if they wanted to judge? Sure. Uh, you can, you can, uh, let's see. I, you can e- email me at, uh, Jody Grinnert at gmail.com. Um, J O D Y dot G R E N E R T at gmail.com. And let me know if you're interested in, uh, helping us judge. doesn't matter if you're certified or not certified. If you love beer good beer you're a craft brew geek um just uh we'd, we'd love to have you especially if you're from the cincy area we're you're <laughs> underrepresented you need to represent cindy cincy all right all right listen jody thank you very much we really enjoyed your t- uh, time you gave us tonight and uh safe travels and uh we'll get together again real soon Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Okay, Bye, Jody. thank you very much, Jody Turner from thank Ohio you. Brew Week, and uh, you're listening to Cincy Brewcast. We'll be back with more with uh, with uh, Evan Rouse from Braxton Brewing in just a minute. You're listening to Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. <laughs> Hey, we just wanted to remind everybody that you can follow Cincy Brewcast on all your favorite social media platforms like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Vine at Cincy Brewcast. You can also subscribe to the show on some of your favorite podcast services like SoundCloud. Just search Mike at Cincy Brewcast and search Cincy Brewcast on iTunes and Stitcher. 
We are live and interactive worldwide on Periscope TV for Apple and Android. Follow us at Cincy Brewcast. Be sure to check our social media platforms for live show dates and times. A brand new way to interact, you can leave us a Google Voice message at area code 513-601-8785. If we like it, we just might use it on the program. And last but certainly not least, you can send us an email at cincybrewcast at gmail.com or utilize the Contact Us page at www.cincybrewcast.com. Get interactive with the voice of Cincy Craft, Cincy Brewcast. Success for Braxton to me, uh, sustained, sustained smart growth, number one. Uh, we will grow... Um, to be Cincinnati's beer is kind of our goal, and uh, but do it in a smart way so that we're not just you know piling on the tanks, increasing production without kind of watching quality. We will not send a subpar batch of beer out of our facility. We've said it way back before we ever did our Kickstarter video. We still say it now. Um, that that's number one: uh, quality control, sustained growth, uh, and you know a few GABF medals won't hurt yeah. either. Uh, I loved it. The, the competition side of things, homebrewing-wise, was, was always one of the more fun parts. I can't wait to get into it uh, on the professional level as well. When we, when we, uh, so that was uh, Evan Rouse back on the, uh, on actually appeared on our, on our second, second episode? episode. Yeah. Uh, when we went down and interviewed uh, the gang down at Braxton ahead of their, their opening, just the Monday before they opened on the following was Friday. That, was that mid brew day? Uh, that was, uh, you were standing on top of the, uh, we were standing on top of the uh, platform there. The you were deck. pouring stuff into the tanks and checking the, uh, <laughs> the brew day. Yes. The, 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 the and uh, you mentioned GABF, and, and s- sad to say, nobody really from Cincinnati brought any. Brought Ryan Geist. Uh, we got Ryan Geist one. Yeah, with a beer that's metal. not even out yet that we can't even uh, have. It's coming. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Ryan Geist with one silver medal, which was awesome. Very happy for those guys. Um, and the story behind that, I was actually talking to Jim Matt about it. Uh, they weren't going to enter that beer. Uh, they entered it last minute. They had to change one of their entries and send it in, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was actually kind of sad to see the Cincinnati breweries kind of get skunked out there. Um, you know, you've got you've got a large number of breweries in this area. Each brewery gets to send five beers. Um, it is what it is next year. It's, yeah, well, yeah. It's it's the nature of competition, which I think is what makes all this so interesting. Oh, that, absolutely. Yeah, it, you know, the beer that, that wins a gold medal last year can just do nothing this year. Just yep. for, Sen- for no particular right. reason. And hands out to the semi-local uh, brew kettle. With oh, yeah. uh, the bronze right. medal for right. White Raja for right. the IPA category, there were a few of the of the, uh, the Ohio breweries that did pretty well out there. Uh, not for, Fatheads, yes, Fatheads, Fatheads did terrific. Which so, there's a Fatheads beer dinner at the Logger House this week, which I think they still have some tickets available okay. for. Which, All right. Um, Should so, that bring us to the weekend the beer fridge? No, let's get let's no because we're not done the, drinking. Well, let's get some. Let's get out. Some, let's get out a couple of those homebrews and are, sort of. Uh, yeah, you guys are like. Get, and, you know. and, and sort of uh, judge them. Let's have a little. Let's 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 have a little judging here. Uh, let's get that. Um, I want the goza. All right, yeah, let's try the goza, the goza first. And the espresso stout. All right, we'll start with those. Two. Oh, there it is. There's the, there's the opener. Somebody we, say something. I know, it, I know it's over here somewhere. <laughs> the beer podcast has no bottle opener. 
So um, that I am, is that has got to be a rarity. <laughs> I've got one attached to my hat. <laughs> I'm taking my uh, Probably you know three in my pocket. I'm experiencing on my, my uh, first home brewing these past few weeks, and um, I I bottled this week, this Which, past week. For the record, anybody who's listening week to week, you were worried last week that we your were beer worried was that dead. my beer died. Um, they did, but that's okay because it's supposed to. <laughs> Um, but you know, I really didn't mind the bottling and capping process. I love like tedious activities that like, <laughs> that like you don't have to think more, about it all. More power to you. And well, it was kind of funny cause we were, we were talking about it while we were bottling. I'm like, I love tedious activities. Let's do this. And, um, <laughs> my friend Shane was like, cause we were, we were, we got, um, the eight ball, the, whatever the one in the green can is. What is that? Is that Prodigal? The yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. And we were looking at like how you just like how it's basically just a sticker on there. And I was like, I wonder if like I could go in like on a volunteer basis and just you stick probably, stickers on cans. Is <laughs> that I'm like sure you that could. sounds like just a perfect day for me? It's just a, just mindless, tedious All right, activities. Pass that, so. that way. And you take that one. We had a little. Uh, we had a little. We had Daddy, a little, why'd you give me the chunky? We had one? a little chunkness one because we don't want to give our guests the chunky one. God, I'm the low senior person here, but I got, I'm going to be chewing this. Actually, I think they're all kind of... Vitamins and minerals. <laughs> a little bit of chunks never killed anybody. So what's the first beer we're drinking? This is a Goza, right? Yeah. No? You don't like it? No, I don't know if I drink it. <laughs> I know the chunks. You don't, you don't have to drink it. It's the chunks. They're so, um, like, they're, they're off-putting. It's not like, it's just the way okay, it looks. Don't do it. I'm going to do it. But I don't you know, know if I'm going to do it. Just don't look at it. It's, it, it, it's, it's, it tastes very good. I think yep. it tastes very good as it, as, as it goes. What would you say? Judge. Judge. Well, should we pull out some style guidelines? I'm pulling guidelines? up the style yeah. guidelines. <laughs> totally anonymous because I have no a idea. Little, a little salty, obviously, right? It's it got should, a little bit of salt. It's salty. It's, to me, it's, it's kind of sweet for what mm-hmm. I would expect for the style. Um, let, me, let me see. And well, again, we, we don't want to put any aspersions or reflections on on these particular beers but they just yeah these have to been be in, in the my, in the beer fridge in for my like beer fridge a for year. a while okay so, so they're they're moderate moderately old yeah moderately okay. old so the flavor on on the 2015 guidelines says that you should have a moderate to restrained um but noticeable sourness like a squeeze of lemon and iced tea which i think is a really good description of um the I sourness get that, that a, and, and that's, there's quotes around this that a goza is supposed great. to be because there's this huge range of throw gozas. Some, throw some salt in the kettle and call it a goza. Right there's 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 some people that are making gozas that are that are just wheat beers with some salt, and there's some people that are making these big giant sour beers with some salt in them. And there's you know there's right. a huge range of stuff, right. and there's right. only one goza category. And there, there is a there is a nice touch of sourness. I get it. It's kind of like a zing as soon as it hits yeah. your palate. Um, it's not. It is. It is a little sweet for me. Um, just going straight off the style guidelines. It's. It says it's supposed to be dry, fully attenuated finish, uh, with acidity, which um, would be similar to the saison. Dry, right, very dry right. and very little sweetness. This has a little bit of a residual sweetness to it, which literally could just be the yeast not performing uh, c- completely like they're supposed to, um, and. It, Yeast are very finicky creatures if they're not properly maintained. Right. And the I think brewer of that just said this is probably about five plus months old. 
Okay. All right. Okay. All right. So. Cool. But outside of that, it's, it's I mean, to style, it is a solid goza. Nice. Next is, what is this? The. Um, it's an espresso stout. Espresso stout. I don't know about the rest of you, but that's mine. Ooh, what do you mean it's yours? You guys get like that much. Grab the rest. Grab a couple Why? more of those. <laughs> I have more at my house. Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay. I'll come over. The BJCP guidelines make drinking at home alone fun. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> if you're ever like, nobody's around, you want a beer, you can just pull out the guidelines. <laughs> and I'm just researching. <laughs> Product comparison. Right. So which one are we drinking now? The Espresso stout? This is the espresso stout. But you don't stout. like espresso, do you? I'll take yours. Oh, no, I love it. <laughs> Good old coffee beer. Love me yeah. some coffee beer. Yeah, you know what? Um, Shane was. Thank you. Shane oh was God. telling me that when he made this, it seems like there we were kind of talking about it, and it seemed he threw just like coffee grounds into the boil. And then he said, there's a reason we don't boil coffee because yes. it gets very bitter. You'll get, you'll get like a tannin, tannic extraction yeah um and so then he was he said that he was surprised and well i was surprised hearing it i'm not sure if he was surprised that literally all he did at the end was just put like coffee into the beer and that was it like yep. you just like like make some coffee and well, put it in there that's what you guys do right and, so, yeah. and it seems like it it seems like that's too simple like it seems like there it's has to be like a better way essentially it's like making a giant uh, batch of cold brewed coffee right yeah. so cold brewed coffee you're going to grind it down you're going to throw it in water let it steep for 20 hours and then you've got cold brew coffee um with beer coffee, for me anyway, I'm in every every brewer is a little different. I love coffee additions on the cold side, so post fermentation. Um, for Dead Blow Starter, uh, we use the starter coffee, uh, but we use two and a half pounds per barrel. So we're right around twenty to twenty five pounds of coffee uh, for ten barrels of beer. We'll we'll typically split a batch of Dead right, Blow and give right. some of it coffee. Um, but the first batch we did it, we actually just took whole bean coffee and threw it in a fermenter and let it age for three days. Um, the second time around when we made it, uh, we decided that we wanted a little more coffee character. Uh, so we actually hand crushed. Um, because cause if you actually grind it down, you're going to have so much surface area, and it's going to change the overall flavor profile that you get from that coffee. Right. So we, it's a very rough course, like rubber mallet to coffee bean, essentially. Uh-huh. And 72 hours, 25 pounds, 10 barrels. Wow. wow. I like this because that that coffee does come across really you like you almost you can almost feel the texture of right. the coffee right. when you're drinking it. Right. I like it. It's I good. think it's damn good. I like it. Oh yes. It's a win. Oh yeah. Does it is it let's, when you're, let's talk about style let's guys. Talk about style, okay. It. Yeah, style. What uh, do we know do we know what style the base style is? What type of stout? I'm Ooh. not sure. Hey, Shane, do you know? Is he on Periscope? He's on Periscope. Oh, hi, Shane. Hi, Shane. Are you mortified right now? <laughs> we yeah, have BJCP not National Judge, Evan Rouse, judging your beer. How do you like that? Yeah, let's just... <laughs> I'd be I horrified. Ran away. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that was like no warning. I don't think he knew that we were going to do this. Well, we didn't know we were going to do it either until about half an hour before we started doing it. Sorry, man. Okay, there's almost a... Um, oh, yeah, he's still there. There's almost a, a oh, fruity. And what's really interesting about coffee beers is the type of coffee 
that you add because much like i mean and i've learned a lot through braxton launching its coffee program but coffee is such a such a complex uh beverage um, so when we designed starter coffee, we were doing cuppings of different roasts and different origins of beans, what country they came from, what temperature they were roasted to. I mean, it's, it's insane. So if you take a coffee that has, you know, fruity characteristics versus a dark roast, that's literally going to give you like chocolate or kind of more of an acidic black kind of black malt bite. Um, it's going to change the profile of how the, the beer tastes too. Right, right. And that's how Starter came around is because we had brewed it with coffee before and we wanted to accentuate the notes within that beer. So that coffee was solely designed just for that. It was, it was, it was designed to put in the beer and the fact that people are drinking it just on its own by itself is, is kind of a side, side, yeah, a side, side thing. business. <laughs> side thing altogether. No, it gives me an excuse to go to a brewery in the morning. Now, the style that he reported is American Stout. American, I love American Stouts. They're actually pretty hard to find. Um, let me find American Stout. I like, I like it because it's, it, it's, I think it's like espresso. I mean, there's some, mm-hmm. we, and we talked about this when we had to show it at, at, at the brewery. There's some that taste like they've got that are coffee that tastes like they've got cream and sugar in them. Yep. There's some that taste like they have mm-hmm. just cream. There's some that taste black, like black coffee, like full make like Folgers black coffee. And then, and then I think Scott's here tastes like Shane, Shane rather tastes like, tastes like strong espresso coffee that you would line, you know, that you would get in a small cup somewhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is delicious. And funny. You should throw the name Scott out there and coffee in the same Sentence Saw with that on uh, Twitter. the little tweet that came out. Oh, what yeah. is that? Tell us. Oh, yes. um, I did see that. Opera cream stout. Yes. <gasps> Looks like they're going to release it on their uh, anniversary party, which yeah, I buddy. don't have any notes in front of me, so I don't know the date. November. That's blank slate. You're first, talking to Scott LaFollette. Maybe. I, I could be wrong on that, so check, check he, their Twitter. He also, he also sent out a, a strange tweet today that said something about the, uh, oh gosh, I can't even remember. I should maybe find it. Something about smoking pot through a chocolate Easter bunny. Oh, he was um, <laughs> he was brewing. Was it Long Way Home? I yeah. And I he think. said when when he's brewing that beer, there's not a whole lot of ways to describe the aroma of the brew house <laughs> other than smoking pot so, through a so chocolate that's, Easter bunny. So that's it. So okay. So the next one now is Hold the. On. Wait oh. a minute, Evan, talk to us. Oh, the American Stout. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's actually kind of unique that it would the base style would be Amer- an American style because if you actually go into the the new guidelines, which is category twenty subcategory B, um, it dives into the main characteristics of an American stout, um, often having a roasted coffee or dark, dark chocolate quality, generally a jet black color, uh, moderate to very high roasted malt flavors, often tasting coffee. Um, so if you read through this and you take just it's basically when you're judging a beer and they add a, a, a secondary ingredient, if you will, such as coffee, you have to go in and judge this beer to that base style, what you would perceive it as being without the coffee. Um, and this beer is, it, I mean, it's delicious. Um, mouthfeel, medium to full body, which it is. Um, I won't say it's somewhat creamy because more, that coffee, uh, it's not acidic. Um, but it adds kind of a bite to it, what you would expect with being espresso. Right, right. Uh, so I wouldn't dock any points there either. So I, I would say through and through, it's a, it's a nice beer. I mean, that's that's good. 
you hear that, Shane? There you go, Shane. <laughs> he also, um, we, Shane is we, on. We he, tend to agree. He chimed in and let us know that it is 11.23 for the um, Opera Cream Stout release. 11.23? So oh, is that the day oh, before around Thanksgiving? That's not the day before Thanksgiving, is it? Weekend before. Sweet. Yeah, Thanksgiving is on the 27th this year. I wonder if he will be doing growlers of that, because that would be fun to have around yeah, Thanksgiving. I like well, what he did last no, year. No, wait, eleven twenty-one. We'll, we'll throw periscopes. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> we'll throw Shane under check, the bus. Check their social media. <laughs> we'll throw Shane under the bus just one more time. And I've really been wanting to try this one. And this is his. Uh, it's it's an American blonde, I think, American style blonde, I, with yeah, totally. brewed with yerba mate, which is if you know is Argentine. the uh, Argentine uh, tea. It's an herb that. Uh, that they drink down there as a tea. So um, like the green they, powder they, stuff. They drink it out of yes. gourds, no. dried out gourds. Dried out gourds. Uh, FYI. That's matcha. Matcha. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I actually got yerba mate when we went to Argentina back in the day, the like day. 10 years ago, by the way. Yeah, it's been that, um, it's been that long. And <laughs> I got the yerba mate and like made the tea out of it. And I got one of the, I'm, I, I'm, I have a fear of gourds. So <laughs> I got, instead of like the gourd yerba mate cup, I had like, they, there was like a little wooden one and it was fine, whatever. Um, but I hated the yerba mate, like the tea itself. I thought it tasted kind of like pencil shavings. So it was pretty nice. So, 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 so we'll see. I always figured we weren't doing it right, but I, I don't know. So I, I don't, I, well, here's the thing. I don't think that I like any like tea just by itself. You to put like, like Splenda in it though, and or honey. Um, this is probably this is probably the uh, the most recent one. The, the, I guess the freshest one. I don't know. Did we Shane? crack one of these after a show or something at one point? We might have done it on the the <laughs> the weekend. He's thanking you for your wonderful setup of the beer. <laughs> Mine. And, yes. Yeah. And, and and um, I'm not saying it's gonna taste like pencil shaving, Shane. That's up to you. The power of the power of suggestion is everything. And and, and shall and shall I say and shall I say brewed uh, in honor of his wife, who is a native of Argentina. So, so it, shout out to Maria as well. As you said this is a Blondale. Yes, it's about three months old, is what he's saying. Three months. It's really um, bubbly. That's actually the so I said the power of suggestion is like key, right? So the whole uh, the whole thing with competitions and beer competitions is that you get a beer brought to you and you don't say a word to the other three or four judges that are at your table while you're judging because if I'm judging this beer and somebody mentions to me that I oh I get diacetyl then I'm gonna smell my beer and you're like looking for that like oh man I smell that too so you have to go through the entire judging of the entire beer before you guys come together and actually speak through what you found. It doesn't taste like pencil shavings. Anytime no. I've done um, blind tastings at home with, with friends or anything, it, the, the rule is you, you taste the beer and you, you jot down some notes on what you taste and however off the wall those flavors you're getting are and you just write them down before anybody talks about anything because... Now, I understand Yerba Mate generally has a, has a, has a light lemony citrus flavor from okay. what I understand and what, and what limited amount I've been able to experience it. And it seems to have that kind of a quality. Are there any other characteristics of Yerba Mate that I should know? That's I, a yellow pencil. 
I know nothing. About <laughs> I know nothing about Yerba Mate, and that that's actually one interesting thing about judging BJCP competitions is because if you're judging the specialty categories, um, you might get beers with things that have been added, and you have no idea what they taste know what like. They are, yeah. It's like I've never even heard of that before, and right. you've got to judge it to the best sure. of your ability. Sure. It's mm-hmm. Paris. Herbal. Yeah, herbal is what Grassy. we're getting on Periscope. Yep. I think it's good. It doesn't taste anything like the. Uh, like the gourd cup of my nightmares. Gourd <laughs> juice. It's a, it's a very, very clean Blondale. That's actually so yeah, for, it's very for, crisp. for homebrewers, beers like this um, can be troublesome because they're so light and they're so delicate. Um, like like Storm, when it started as a homebrewed beer, we had to make sure that it was maintained to a T um, because lighter beers like this will show the smallest defect so easily. Um, and this is, this is very clean. Very, very clean. So has it all. It is. It's, it's yeah. really nice. So um, I pretty much have the best homebrew partner in the world. You heard it here first. There you go. Good job, Shane. Very nice, Shane. You you were you reached approval from probably one of the more difficult judges you'll ever <laughs> you'll ever face. So and thank you for letting which, us do this without your permission. Yes. yes. <laughs> which, which one of us is the more difficult judge? That's what I want to know. Is Evan the more difficult judge, or is it Tina? Yeah, oh, they're really. pencil shavings. I didn't say I didn't say the beer tastes like pencil shavings. I said the tea that they make out of the stuff. Okay, and also I just hate it because I hate gourds. <laughs> Which, um, by the way, I I got a chance to try that gourd to death from Taft's this weekend. Yeah. Ugh. My God, absolutely love it. Yeah. If you have a fear for gourds, I guess it won't work, but. Um, I'd be happy toasted to give out pumpkin her seeds. Oh, it's fantastic! <laughs> Fill your front it's so mean. Forms. It was the first day of fall. <laughs> what Madison Road? It was. It was the first day of fall, and Google did like their little like gourd, <gasps> like yes. gourd themed whatever. And I, <laughs> my old roommate, like texted me and was like, "Whatever you do, don't look at Google today." But then all throughout the rest of the day, I was getting pictures sent to me from friends who were taking pictures of the gourd. Like Google homepage <laughs> and send it to me. It's it's real. It's crippling. We're we're falling but, apart here but, at Cincy Brewcast. But more on my fear of gourds in a later show. <laughs> Afraid of gourds. I was gonna say. I hope I hope I hope that's my sound clip. Like you know how you take sound clips from all the people that we interview. I hope that's mine. I think we'll do that. Here cool. we go. Um, I look at I look at the Bud We'll take a break. Shane so, said we flatter him. They're all out there, and, and they don't know any better yet, but they will. You don't, you don't ever hear somebody say, yeah, I used to drink that crap, crap. But I, <laughs> I went back to my Bud Light. You don't hear that, do you? No, you don't. You're listening to Cincy Breakfast, the voice of Cincy Craft. This is Brett Coleman-Baker with Urban Artifact Brewing in Northside, Cincinnati, and you're listening to Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's go into... This Week in Beer. All right, what are we talking about on This Week in Beer? What do you guys got? Oh, shoot, I keep doing that again. We've got some great stuff that's taken place on This Week in Beer so far. Um, again, uh, so happy and proud to have Evan Rouse from Braxton Brewing for his third uh, 
for his third visit here on Cincy Brewcast, and you brought. Tell just again, describe the beer. Tell us what's going to go on this Friday night uh, with that wonderful saison you brought us. Absolutely. So uh, level uh, is our Belgian saison uh, that we brewed rather recently, and we're going to tap this Friday at five thirty p.m. Uh, another variant of that, and won't be tapped this Friday, but in the in the future, I can't say soon future, uh, will be barrel-aged white wine and red wine of this same Saison. So you're going to get a lot of the uh, very, very dry. Uh, it's not a farmhouse Saison. It's just a traditional Belgian. So you're going to get the uh, uh, the spicy esters and the, the, the fruit, or, I'm sorry, the spi- spicy phenols and fruity esters that are true to this particular style of beer. Um, just very nice, bright kind of citrus and pepper. And then what? You got anything? Like a food truck or anything else coming in? Or I, I mean, don't and, know. I check the website, I, right? I, yep. Yeah, go, website, go, Facebook, all yeah, of that. Yeah, go to Braxton dot, dot, uh, and subscribe to the uh, Friday Friday uh, note. Yeah, Friday note. Yeah, absolutely. The Friday note this week was such a good one. It kind of kind of gave you a hint into the amount of beers that are that are you know coming up in the in the near future a hint i don't know you would have, you would have loved to read that before it got edited i'm, sh- I'm sure <laughs> I, I and the this, the funny story behind that is i had uh, i had reminded myself all week it was my my week to write the friday note and i was like oh i got to make sure johnny gets it on thursday so he has time to edit it and get it out and i walk in friday morning and jonathan looks at me and he's like on purposely eyeing me as he checks his email. He's like, huh, that uh, Friday note's not in my inbox. And I'm like, crap, what am I going to write about? And the first thing that popped in my head was all the beer that we've brewed that no one knows about. So. Awesome. But, 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 you, but it was edited out, so you have not well, really... Well, so, so the, the, the actual details were edited out. I, uh, see. I know he talked about uh, we did brew our Imperial, IP, Imperial IPA collaboration with Widmer Brothers. Uh, so that uses two experimental hops, 10%. Uh, 100 IBU and then Falconer's wow. Flight Hops as well. Wow. Um, mm. So it'll be a very, very nice tropical citrus fruit bomb. Um, the new trophy is going to be released here soon. Uh, it's featuring all Galaxy Hops. Wow. Um, and then there's a few other ones that we mentioned, like the next release in our rotating lager series. Um, and something big in barrels. Something big in barrels. Lots of bourbon barrels. Films. <laughs> yeah, we've so. we've been getting we've been getting hints for the last right, right. month on on Twitter of all these different barrels and oh, filling more barrels, filling more barrels. <laughs> well, awesome. That's Braxton. We have something at Mad Tree on Saturday. Oh yeah, that's big. That's us. That's big. That's us. Um, we are going to be. We are very honored to have infused a keg of lift for. Um, the Fresh Fest 2015. That's the gathering of the Cincy beer bloggers slash media. I don't like to consider myself a beer blogger. They're a weird bunch. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't consider myself present media company either. accepted. <laughs> yes, a present company excluded. Um, so it'll be fun. There's going to be a DJ. Um, they're doing pints for prostates. Everybody's my favorite charity. Which we will um, be. Uh, we we will be uh, offering to pints for prostates for auction once again. I mentioned it a couple of shows ago, but I'll mention it again tonight. It is a bottle a bomber of the WS One uh, bourbon barrel aged uh, stout uh, brewed by J Dubs Brewing in Sarasota, Florida. We were so uh, honored to uh, have them give us some time and, and do a big interview and, and be part of our show a few weeks ago while Nancy and I were in Sarasota and we had a great time with those guys and they kept bringing out bottles and that was one of the bottles they brought out and we definitely wanted to take one home. Sorry guys, 
you're not going to get to try it because unless, it, unless you, unless yeah, you buy it, it. Unless you buy it are we going to throw a Cincy so. Brewcast t-shirt in there too? And some I don't have any Cincy Brewcast t-shirts. Where'd so. they go? Uh, they were all they were all given away yeah. as swag. We they were them. all we are fresh out of swag. We used them as a. Speaking of using to wash the glasses. Speaking of Mad Tree, <laughs> this is the week of the um, the next Trunk Series beer too. You've got both of those the, um, the pumpkins, rum. the rum and the bourbon barrel mm-hmm. pumpkins. Can you imagine Home that Sweet rum? Home this that week at Fifty West? Home Sweet Home at Fifty West. In fact, that tapping is was tomorrow night, I believe. It's tomorrow night, well, uh, Tuesday people, night, depending on when people are. Yeah, listening. Tuesday night, the twentieth, um, which might not be a bad. Little trip, side trip to take. To, although I am playing golf tomorrow, so uh, and I sent. <laughs> we had we had Ron Sanders and Eric Bosler from uh, Darkness Brewing on. Probably what was that? Our sixth or seventh or eighth show. I think it was number eight. And uh, I sent him a, uh, a Twitter message. A Twitter message uh, uh, yesterday. Asked what they were up to, and they said, "Hey, thanks for checking in." We are about 60 days out, give or take. Currently, we're remodeling the bathrooms and building the bar, shooting for November, but probably will be December sometime. We'll start with a soft opening then and go for a grand opening after the first of the year at Darkness in Bellevue. So, And uh, I'll, I'll throw my, my standard thing on the end of that, ish. Never well, yes, ish. ish. It's yes. always ish. Yes. <laughs> uh, we've also had contact uh, with, uh, with uh, 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 Sean Willingham, of Municipal Brew Works in Hamilton. They are ready to join us. I think they will be joining us in about three weeks' time uh, to talk about Municipal Brew Works. Uh, so they are coming online uh, at, at some point around in the next two or three months yeah. as well. Tell us, tell us your take on all of this expansion and where you think you know where you think it'll go we had somebody mention to us last week or a couple of weeks ago somebody i can't remember who it was said that the the that the, 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 you know that there were breweries that were going to go away oh, at yeah. some point everybody that, always says that you know so my my favorite quote and i always go back to this because i think it's funny um if you look at everybody's so concerned because so many breweries are opening up so quickly so so regularly and in in tight tight niche areas so like cincinnati alone Continues the number of breweries continues to grow immensely, uh, just based on that one one unique area. Um, but if you look at it, so like earlier this year, I don't know what the stats are right now. Uh, there are three thousand breweries in the U.S. with about one to one point two opening on average every day, um, and everybody's really concerned. Oh, it's a bubble. The bubble's going to pop. The all the craft beer is going to go away. I, that's not true. There are seventy eight hundred wineries. In America, nobody talks about those. <laughs> we're just we're right? catching I mean, back up, is all. Yeah, is. I mean, like nobody talks about how many wineries there are, and there are still wineries that open, uh, but right. it doesn't get overanalyzed. And I think because what's happening is there's so much popularity around craft beer because so many people are leaving the macro brands and diving into craft. People want local, people want quality, um, and they get that with local craft beer. After prohibition, there was never this 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 weird shift of these big macro wineries that didn't happen no, no. whereas with beer for lots of different reasons it shifted into this weird macro landscape this this blip on the radar in the history of the United States that we're finally getting out of we're, we're getting away from the blip and things are normaling back out Good. and Cincinnati was a craft beer mecca it and it's starting was. to become one again um, I and I'll, I'll I'll end my little soapbox here um after i say this all i'm going to say is i think what's going to happen is i think that as the craft beer 
movement continues to grow. You're going to see a notice of fallout. I won't say fallout breweries, but the consumer is going to continue to become more educated. So they're going to expect a consistent, a quality uh, product from each brewery, right? So they're going to learn over time what a non-consistent beer looks like, tastes like. And what's going to happen is the breweries that aren't putting out consistent beer uh, or putting out beer that um, has noticeable flaws, um, they might not make it because Just people, people are, won't go buy it. Exactly. Because what happened in I, the 80s during the first craft beer revolution was, oh, I'm going to try this IPA and it sucked. So they put all IPAs under one umbrella and never drink IPAs again. So now what's going to happen is I don't like this IPA, but I'm going to go over here and try this one. I think you're going to see a huge proliferation of, of those neighborhood breweries too that we're starting to see pop up. You wow. know, the Fibonacci's and the Dogberries and these the darknesses, na- the darkness, you know, the, the nano breweries that, that that serve their community and 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 don't have a um, necessarily a, a, a huge driving desire to to take over the world and become Budweiser. You know, like you you will you'll see that more and more and more tiny yeah, tiny I feel tiny like, places. I feel like more than being concerned that breweries are going to like fail or pop or I don't know, whatever. Um, I'd say almost the next fear is just worrying that there's not going to be enough money in people's pockets to go around. You know, like if the people get out there and spend the money, that's great. But eventually there's going to be a point where like they just don't have any more money to spend because they're spending it on all the cool stuff that's around. Do you know what I mean? I'm sorry. I'm just noticing that sort of like as a, you know, person who works for tips, (laughs) there's so much cool stuff to do around anymore that like nowhere is like consistently like packed. You know what I mean? There's not a, there's not a, there's not a place to go anymore. In other words, there's not one, you know, people don't, people won't say anymore. Oh, let's go down to Chuck's, you know, and, 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 you know, have a few beers or whatever, because they're going to be be busy going to Braxton, and then next week they're going to go to Madrid, oh, yeah. and then the week after that they're going go to go spread the wealth. And and that's been a that's a problem that's been sort of in craft beer all along is a lack of brand loyalty. That's 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 completely missing every person that is not drinking craft beer. It's completely missing the majority of the marketplace that still is not going down to Braxton and going down to Mad Tree and going down to Rheingeist. There's a so ton of people that like, aren't going like, like as Dan Listerman said, there's still it's like a forest a, a of forest, Bud Light drinkers yeah. to be harvested. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's not that these the X amount of people that are going to a brewery right now on a Friday night are the same people that are going to be in that brewery in 10 years. You're going to have, it should be everybody. Okay, but I'm starting to get from a person that I'm very close to that I'm that was an early adopter of craft beer back in the 90s back in the early 2000s back in the barrel house days and back in the Oldenburg days that is becoming disenchanted with craft beer because they believe that all craft beer has become is IPA or highly hopped or too much now now how many IPAs IPAs do we drink tonight you know like there's just still so much out there you just have to go get it even in Cincinnati I mean yes I don't think that the, necessarily the gripe with Cincinnati is that we're we have all these brewers making IPAs and pale ales but there is still so much out there I don't think it's necessarily everything as an IPA 
But that's what people demand, so that's what people put in the bars. That's what bar owners, managers who do the ordering will put in the bars. And the only way to get out of that is to go to the breweries, get it from the source, see exactly what all is available, and you know, not just take everything from the selection at, you know, B-dubs or Oakley Pub or you know, Habits anywhere like that. You have to go and find out for yourself what you're gonna like. It's it, more of a, it's more of a like a like a. <laughs> It's, it's education. not laziness, education. but yeah, it's, it's interesting. Cause, cause, and I would say he's, I could understand where he's coming from. Uh, she, one, one, she, <laughs> she, uh, 100% beer, because, because craft, craft beer, um, 47% of the craft beer market is dominated by IPAs, pale ales, imperial IPAs. And what happened is people were all drinking pale ales and then they wanted the next big thing, which was IPAs. So now you have the session IPA, which is in between there. And then the IPAs weren't hoppy enough. So now you've got the Imperial IPAs and the um, triple IPAs. I mean, now. It's, oh, it's, God. it's, it's crazy, but that's, what's dominating the entire kind of craft beer market. I will say loggers are making a big comeback. And, and like, like both of you said it, you got to go out and look for it. Um, but they are out there. It does not have to be an IPA. But if you go to a place, for instance, and they have 12 craft beers and eight of them are IPAs. Shouldn't you say something to the proprietor? Yeah, that's, Shouldn't you that's say on the, something that's to, on the, the, bar to the restaurateur or the bar manager? Says, you know what? You you really have an awful lot of IPAs here. And there's, you know, I love craft beer, but there, there's not really anything on here that I want to drink because I'm not really a fan of IPA. So for what we tell our salespeople... Um, and it's not, we don't go into a bar to shove one particular beer uh, into that establishment or into that one area. It is, it's literally for us, it's about finding the right beer for that account, right? Because if that beer moves quickly, that account's going to be happy and we're going to be happy. Um, so, so each, and each account's different, right? So if you go into an account that sells primarily Bud Light and Budweiser, um, and that's, you know, 60% of their draft sales, they're going to do really well with a storm. Mm -hmm. Right. And that could get them on the craft beer movement. Now, if you go to a craft beer eccentric bar that doesn't sell Budweiser or Bud Light, they're going to do better with a crankshaft or an IPA or dead blow the stout uh, because that's what crafty people want. Because most people who are new to craft beer or want to try new craft beer, it's they're getting introduced with something light and then straight to IPAs. Mm -hmm. Well, that and then like, you know, well, I mean, I'm just the demand is there for IPAs. Just because one person doesn't want it doesn't mean lots of other people don't want it. We we didn't have it was like two weeks ago or something, and we didn't have an IPA on, and like at all, not even a pale ale or, ale or anything. But it like got to the point where people are like, really, you don't have any IPAs on draft? Like they were expecting it, they but wanted it. That's that's the brilliance of what's what's happening in in the city as a whole. Like I I. I have a hard time looking at one specific brewery or one specific bar and saying, this is wrong. They don't have any IPAs or they have too many IPAs because the place next door has the complete opposite. There's, there is something for everybody in a beer town. And that's, we're building this, this big beer ecosystem that feeds off each other. You know, there will be a brewery that does only sours. Not everybody is going to only like sours. There are people that are going to hate that brewery. And that's okay. It works. And then there will be a brewery that may do a bunch of pale ales or IPAs or things like that. And that's okay because that's serving another person. You know, it's 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 about building something bigger. And I think people get get hung up in what this big brewery is doing. And it's, well, just 
go to the other one. You know, the, there's there, there's something out there for everybody. Yeah, it's I. Uh, I think I don't, her whole complaint stemmed where she went out to dinner and she couldn't find a selection. You know. That, that's, well, again, that's, that's a restaurant choice. Yeah, that's then. that's exactly. yeah, that's their. You know, it's not like that everywhere. No, it's not. It's not. So. Oh well. What else? What else? Anything else this week in beer? We also did a little. Wait, do we have something else to share? For what? personal reasons. Yeah. Friendship and and then love and. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Andy Clausen, who you may have known from the tap room at Mount Carmel, um, he's been at Mount Carmel for God, how long? Since 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 the yeah, tap room at least two opened, or three I think. Years. Yeah, at least two um, or three years. He is going to be taking his talents to South Beach. Yeah. <laughs> um, to Old Firehouse Brewery in Williamsburg, in Williamsburg. which we happen to be just sort of a, one of our side beers. We do side beers here at Cincy Brewcast, as if you might might not have been able to tell. Uh, is this is an Old Firehouse? Um, what's it called? Brush fire. Brush fire. This is what their, is it? I haven't had it. It's I'm their not um, trying it. They're red, aged in um, bourbon barrels and cabernet barrels. This was limited release on their their first anniversary. I think it's. I love it. I was gonna stash it away, but it's been calling my name. Now it it was it was aged in both, and then blended back. I believe so. It's it's possible that. The wine went into a bourbon barrel. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't have. I don't have the, all the information. I, don't, I, I think wine it's and great. bourbon for sure. I think it's great. I, I t- and you know what? I taste. I taste a little wine, like a little it's, grapey. It's got a very nice character. Yeah. Um, and you, my side beer. Just want to want to share. If you guys know me, if you guys are longtime listeners, you know that I have. I shamelessly love ciders. I drink so much beer. That every once in a while, it's nice to have a cider or a glass of wine or a cocktail. So, I am drinking Since He Made Cider Geist. Yay! All right. Um, and really, I would like to try that, too, at some point here. It's very either, delicious. Either, either is, on air or off air. but This is the dry hopped one. Um, it is really floral. The semi-dry is a little bit sweeter. Um, I've tried both of them when we were ordering them at work. I just bought this at kroger today the 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 brand new oakley station kroger which we are friends with them over there <laughs> shout out to ryan brock the uh adult beverage steward <laughs> yeah uh, which again i gotta get i gotta get a title like that somehow so um so anyway it's very good if you like ciders even if you don't like ciders we have had this conversation before i love ciders and i don't think that there's anything that we can do to stop them from <laughs> infiltrating <laughs> our tap rooms um i you know i i i'm 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 dyed in the wool mad tree loyal but um until they start making a a cider i am going to be drinking my cider geist so um anything like that uh cider yeah currently we make beer <laughs> <laughs> i will say that cider cider is a huge i mean it's becoming a huge thing it's growing uh two to one what craft beer is growing at so and I'm just saying that There's. when I went to Michigan, Beer Mecca, one of them, in January, and went to 15 breweries in three days, I'd say at least 10 of them, if not more, all had a house-made hard cider, cider on. Right. So it might be the trend, guys, just maybe something to keep out, keep an eye out for. Um, yes, I know that 
And if you don't consider it beer, it's fine. Listerman's doing cider. Yeah. Um, They're doing meats too, right? They are doing... And uh, wines. They and are wines. doing... Wines. They have not put anything on yet, but they are definitely doing them. Which they've been... And they 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 hinted out a picture of a couple bottles. Yeah, and and they've been doing wine. They've been doing wine supply for years. It's kind of really kind of strange that they haven't been doing at least one or two varieties of wine in their in their tap. Which and we got we got the skinny. They're gonna do a they're gonna do a a Chardonnay, a Pinot Grigio, a Merlot, Sangiovese. Ooh, that's and good. That's good. That's a good grape. This weekend, this last weekend was also the, I believe, the first weekend that Fibonacci had their wine on tap in the. Oh, that's the right. That's right. They they, they started. They are not too. making it themselves yet. They they bought the wine from the that um, Versailles, or Versailles in Ohio. It's Versailles. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> uh huh. Up in, off of one twenty seven up north. Okay. Uh, and they're sweetening the wine, so okay. it's, it's three sweeter kind of offerings. But excellent. So if you're, if you're, if you're it's gonna be it's gonna wine be Cincinnati Winecast before you before you can blink uh, an eye. Hey, <laughs> no. like I said, I drink so much beer that I welcome a uh, a good glass of wine or a cider or a cocktail here and there. Speaking of cocktails, one more thing: um, the Overlook Lodge opening in Pleasant Ridge in, on hopefully October thirty first, Halloween. If not, because we're still waiting on our liquor license, um, it's going still to waiting be, on the liquor license. It's going to be Friday, November 13th. Okay. Well, Friday there you go. See, Friday the spooky, 13th. Spooky place based on The Shining. I will be there mixing them up. Um, I'm not quite... I, we're more cocktail focused, but because um, our owner, Jacob Trevino, was, you know, worked with Molly Wellman, Japs, uh, Myrtle's Punch House, places like that. So we're going to be a little bit more cocktail oriented, but I am also a go-getter, and I'm going to try and do uh, some, some beer craft beer cocktails like what we did for uh, hop water and, and kinda, also for uh, wild ginger yeah and kind of see if we can get something a little little move in there so um but anyway keep an eye out uh i'm sure i'll be promoting my new place of employment as often as possible but we, we did get a good reminder on um on periscope from braxton about the bb riverboats craft beer cruise that they're doing which i don't have dates and stuff in front of me so make sure you check out that um, is online. that is Saturday. This Saturday. This Saturday. And it's more for this week in beer. Yeah. Um, their time. first craft beer cruise that they've done, which that sounds um, so fun. It's, it's one of those things, you know. You see these local institute. We've talked about the zoo and about Kings Island right, and stuff, right. and I'm kind of trying to embrace craft right. beer. So the Reds, it's the good Bengals to, this year. It's good to see started BB a craft beer program. So six to eleven those. p.m. So I'm sure that they um, they probably have tickets available still that you could jump on and. Uh, um, if you forgot Sweetest Day this weekend. That's right. Mm. That's right. <laughs> Take your significant other to BB Riverboats Craft Beer Cruise. Anything Win-win. else? Anybody? Anybody? Evan? Thanks a lot. We really appreciate well, you coming you. out. You're, you're, we're, it, it, it's it's going to be like Saturday Night Live after your fifth time that you're on our show we'll give you a, like a plaid jacket or something like that you can wear we it around jackets. well we'll get one i was gonna say i want my zip up hoodie first my cincy brewcast zip up hoodie. All right, so well, well, buzz we'll, off evan well we'll talk about <laughs> listen we'll talk about we we want to thank everybody the gnarly gnome at the gnarly gnome.com thank you show notes uh coming uh, probably on wednesday 
Absolutely. Uh, 8 a.m. We already talked about Tina very heavily, uh, but uh, Overlook Lodge, look for her in, a, in two weeks to a month. Uh, see her even sooner Always than that. Ish. <laughs> see her sooner than that at the OPG. And um, our... Uh, Filling in for our social media director Angie Cisneros tonight is our new social media. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, Angie never did tweet out a picture of a style is, guide or is you know is Nancy Cisneros. And once again, we can't thank uh, we can't thank Jody Grenert uh, from Ohio Brew Week and Evan Rouse enough. Uh, we really enjoyed having you tonight, and thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. It was well, hey, that's about it here from Cincy Brewcast. Uh, for uh, everyone that I mentioned, uh, my name is Mike Cisneros. We invite you to check out all of our social media platforms. And, of course, visit us at www.cincybrewcast.com. You have been listening to Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. <laughs> <laughs>